Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, months ago when I was outlining these sermons, I was thinking about Lent, of course, but a more normal time, a more normal Lent where we were looking for ways to do self-denial, looking for opportunities to go deeper and terms of our contemplation and introspection so that we might listen for God to speak to us but of course much has changed since several months ago when I put these together we're now in these days of this kind of necessary renouncing of our normal routines and this sense of isolation and kind of imposed upon us from the outside many of us are still reeling trying to adapt and figure out what to do, and how best to manage this. I was talking with Ed Payton, our lay leader of this congregation, earlier in the week, and we were talking about the sense of isolation and loneliness. And he said, you know, we can look at it that way, kind of in a negative sense, that this is happening to us. But another way, as people of faith, is we could look at this as offering us the gift of solitude. And solitude is one of the spiritual practices that has a long history the idea that silence and solitude are a way to grow closer to God. I think his idea could help us all. So many of you are voicing to me that you're struggling to hold on to a positive faith in the face of the current crisis. I know some of you are afraid, some of you anxious, some beginning to experience some depression, others even experiencing a great sense of panic in the midst of all this. Well, the sermon series that I chose as a title, How Do We Hold Faith, still seems to be, maybe even more so today, relevant to what we're going through. How do we hold on to faith in the midst of such a crisis? How do we hold faith? How do we stand strong? How does the Christian community rally together and support one another? Dr. Rigby, who was here about a month ago to be our lecturer, has written a book, Holding Faith. Of course, she wrote it a few years ago. She was writing, thinking about a rapidly changing culture and a more secular-leaning culture and how do people hold faith in those circumstances. But certainly, it has some direct application to what's going on with us right now. I want to read to you a few sentences of what she has written in the book. She says this, The Bible and the creeds of the church testify that the spirit who like the wind blows wherever it wishes is also reliable and consistent showing up when the people of God gather and watching over them even when they are too disillusioned or frightened or skeptical to hold faith she then says when we gather together seeking God we become quote A place where people who know you, warts and all, not only love you, but believe you have a God-given purpose in this world and insist on helping you discover and embrace it. 
So let's go on that journey together. Let's think of ourselves still gathered, even though at a distance, gathered as the people of God on a journey with one another and with God. And let's this morning open ourselves anew to the Spirit of God speaking to us, enlivening and quickening our spirits and encouraging our souls. I want to go back to the idea I mentioned earlier for a moment and looked at this idea of the gift of solitude. So many ways that solitude is helpful. I put three of those in your outline. First, it gives us more time to listen for God's prompting in our lives. So often the still small voice or the gentle nudge of God is something we miss because we live in a hyperactive society. So many of us are go, go, go from this appointment to that appointment. Always something asking, begging, drawing our attention. But solitude and the gift of solitude, when we find time to carve out time and space to listen for God, makes us ever more able to sense that still small voice or that gentle prompting. So that's a gift, actually. If we can take some of this time that's been imposed upon us as isolation and turn it into a time that we listen for God, that would be a gift, wouldn't it? But there's a second gift here also. When we look at the testimony of Christians who have come before us from this great line of Christian prayer and meditation, so many people who have practiced silence and solitude, one of the things they testify to over and over is that during these times of solitude, we grow in our trusting of God. Rather than seeing our relationship with God as something static, they talk about how we can grow in this relationship with God and we can grow in our trusting of God so that these times of silence and solitude can lead to greater intimacy with God, a sense of closeness. We can receive that sense of guidance, of comfort, of assurance. Our trust in God can grow. But there's also a third gift of solitude that I don't want us to overlook. It has to do with how we deal with society and how so often we're pushed around by the whims of society. But those who have practiced this sense of solitude and silence on a regular basis also say that something else can happen. That we begin, we can begin to experience a sense of freedom that grows as we grow closer to God. That is, we don't have to be tossed to and fro by materialism or consumerism or the latest fashion or the approval of others. That when we're resting in God, when we're spending more time with God and we feel a sense of God drawing us closer, it generates a sense of freedom and strength within our own being. It seems that we can become less driven and less victimized by things other people do. All those are gifts of solitude that maybe we can claim in this time of sort of enforced isolation or time alone right now. I would say, though, God is with you even now, whether you've practiced solitude or not. But the idea here is that maybe we can use this time to experience the closeness and the power and the presence of God even more so than we have before, even though we're living through a crisis. In our story today from Genesis, in our text, Abram describes his experience of God being close, of a time when he had a sense of this prompting, this 
divine guidance being with him and leading him in a new way. As you read through the story, they make it clear that he followed this prompting from God. We heard it in the very last verse. We read the first part of verse 4. Listen again. So after it tells us that Abram senses God telling him to move, verse 4 says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram went. It can be difficult in days like these to discern how God wants us to proceed when everything is so different. Of course, in this story, it's after the fact. This author is writing about what happened to Abram after everything is played out. They know how the story ends, and then now they're writing it for us. So much more difficult to discern what God is doing in our lives right in the moment, especially in moments of crisis. So as we live through this coronavirus, COVID-19 epidemic, it can be really hard to discern exactly what God is saying to us or how God is leading us. We can't look back at it yet because we're still in the midst of it. But we can look back at other Christians who live through times of epidemics. Our religious historians, numbers of them, have written about this and about how Christians responded and how they were able to come through such epidemics in their time, even without any modern medicine that we benefit from today. We know several things about what they did. We know they stuck together in these difficult days. We know they continued to pray. And we know that even though they were living in a pagan society, which just said this is the capriciousness of the gods. They proclaimed something different. They proclaimed they knew a God who had created us, who cares about us, who is with us in life and death and life beyond death. Surely that is good news to any and all of us in these days of this epidemic. Well, it can be a guide for us. We could use them as an example, even though we're still living in the midst of it all. I read a story a few days ago about a woman who had decided to write a book. She wanted to write a novel. She had the central character. She had the idea. She mapped out a plan. She had a plan and a schedule. She decided it was going to take her four years to write a book. Seems like a long time to me, but she said it was clear to her this is how this would work, and she set off and began to write. She finished it and sent it in. It was declined. The four-year mark came and went. Then the six-year mark then the 12-year mark, she continued to work and write. She continued to send in manuscripts. They continued to be declined. She said as those declines began to build up, that the fear and anxiety began to overcome her, that she was living with a greater sense of fear that this would never happen because so many rejection letters had come her way, even though she had worked so hard. She used biblical imagery and said, I started in the Garden of Eden. It's a place of promise and possibility. But over the years, I was slowly and agonizingly pushed out toward the edge of the garden. Well, she continued to work. She continued to write. And she said what she began to notice 
is that even though after each letter of rejection she would change something in her manuscript, she was being changed. As she looks back on it, she says she realizes through all these seasons she was being changed. She worked on this novel for 20 years. Can you imagine working on one manuscript for 20 years? But she did. She persevered. And finally, someone accepted the manuscript, and now it's published. After 20 years and all that work, she's looking back upon what happened. She said, I started writing. I started the project in the prime of life, and now I'm well into my Medicaid years. But she also reflects about what happened to her. Listen to what she writes. When we are young, we have the advantage of thinking we're going to live forever. When we're older, we have the advantage of knowing we won't. We change in a lot of ways over the seasons of our lives, whatever is called for. I now see that changing not only does not threaten who I am, it is essential to being who I am. I thought that was refreshing and a really healthy perspective on what happens to us over the course of a lifetime and what happens when changes, unexpected changes in particular, come our way. I think Abram in our story today had that same perspective. God comes to him. He's comfortable. He's living in the place his family's always lived. And now God is saying to him, it's time to move, pick up all your things and move out. But I think it's fascinating that Abram was able to see the change not only as threat, but more than a threat. Today, as we live through this pandemic, certainly all of us are having to live through some changes. We're being asked to adapt in so many different ways but I think we also need to be reminded to listen for God. To do like Abram and listen for God when we feel that things are changing and we're being called to adapt. Abram was able to see more than just that he had to move. He was able to see more than just a threat that he was having to leave. He was able to see it as an opportunity to learn more about himself and more about God. And he has a sense, really, of an assurance. Did you hear that in verse 1? Let's look back at the text for a moment. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. To the land that I will show you. God is speaking to him and God is promising that he's going to lead him to a new land, and if he will follow, God will show him the way. As we live through this epidemic, we do not have a map about how to do this. We do not have clear directions about how to get to the right destination, but we have something even better. We have a relationship with God, and that relationship is what can carry us through. The biblical promise from God is, I will show you the way. I will show you the way. Can you receive that as an assurance? 
as a promise from God that applies even to us in our day. And not only that God will be with us, but that God is at work for good in our lives. Did you hear in verse 2, all this is happening to Abram. Abram, after he's told him that he's going to show him a way, in verse 2 he says, so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. Ada Robinson is the Quaker woman of faith who designed this building. You'll notice if you drive by the building or ever walk through it that there's this prominent use of this angled arch, as she called it. She was using this same theological foundation that we've just read about today in terms of God blessing us so that we can bless others. She said that what she wants us to think about is that these angled arches are like the hands of God covering us. So that when we enter this building or walk through one of these doors, we'll remember that we're coming expecting a blessing from God. And then when we exit or depart, that when we're leaving, that we have been blessed and we're able to share that blessing with others. Blessed to be a blessing. Even though we cannot gather in the sanctuary right now, even though we cannot come into the building in mass numbers right now, we can still remember this passage. We can still visualize these angled arches and think about the hands of God covering us. I'm wondering if you can visualize the hands of God covering us and blessing us. Can you visualize the hands of God covering you and blessing you? Maybe you want to try that right now. Just put your hands together like mine. And think about God being with us, covering us, and blessing us. I want to close with a prayer this morning as we hold our hands in that way as a way for us to think about who God is and how God is alive and how God is showing us the way. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord Jesus, although we cannot see the future, we know that you will be there for us. Grant us this assurance, and it will be more than enough. Amen.